Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, is your relationship suffering because you're watching too much TV? No, of course it isn't. Watching TV with your partner is brilliant. But what if one of you doesn't love TV as much as the other? The weirdo. That's the quandary faced by the Nables and addressed by the Servants of Darkness as they go to hell and back in 1992's. Stay tuned. Sorry to disturb you at this hour, but I have something you want. A new TV? It broadcast programs no one had ever seen. Wednesday at 9, don't miss an all-new episode of The Silencer of the Lambs. Then one night, Roy and Helen Nabel got sucked in and discovered that hell (laughs) is one TV show after another. Let's welcome our new contestants, Roy and Helen While in the blue corner, yay, it's another Jim Carrey movie, screamed kids in the mid-90s. More wacky, silly, slapstick antics. What a shock we all got when it turned out this was not your average Jim Carrey movie, as his Chip Douglas, and indeed the whole film, is a much darker outing for the rubber-faced prince of comedy. From 1996, it's The Cable Guy. Cable Guy! Let's do this. Slip the cable guy 50 bucks, he'll give you all the movie channels for free. You're offering me a bribe. What you have just done is illegal. And in this state, if convicted, you could be fined up to $5,000 or spend six months in a correctional facility. Oh, oh, please. No, that was dumb. I'm just, I was just making conversation. <laughs> I'll juice you up. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Oh, 
Okay, Clash Putters, everything goes. Maim, murder each other, I don't care, but keep it clean. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Um, I'll ask you first, V, because your answers tend to be longer and I'm trying to take off this jingly bracelet <laughs> that I'm wearing, which I always normally take off before the show. It's got skulls on it. It's very cool, but it makes a lot of noise. It's very cool. You're not supposed to say that yourself. Okay. <laughs> oh, look, you're a cool bracelet. There you go. Thanks very much. You well? Yeah, really well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bit hot. Yeah. Fine. You look very summery today. Thanks. No, would, would that be a... I know we've been talking a lot about your pastel wardrobe recently. Would these trousers Does be... this count as a pastel? Basically, um, for all our younger listeners, dad pants are back. So oh. otherwise known as Annie Hall pants. I was like, I'm going to get my Annie Hall pants out today. Great. Here they are. Great. And you got your sandals out? I know. Do you, are you all right with that? I'm Chris, fine. are you wearing flip-flops? You didn't no, not me. today. What the fuck's it? Annie's put trousers back on. Yeah, well, we're, I'm going to be out till late and it might get cold later. <sighs> Speaking of which, I have booked a table for the pub. So can we crack on? Great. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Just in case, uh, just in case this episode seems at all rushed uh, today, <laughs> uh, the, the Euros are on. You're probably aware. Uh, Chris certainly is. So, uh, yeah, let's just crack on. No small talk this week, right? Come big, on. big game. Big game. Let's go. All right, then. So. Uh, stay tuned versus the cable guy. These were my choices this week. Why? Why? Just because. But also, Stay Tuned was one of those movies I feel like I watched a thousand times as a kid, but I haven't rewatched it for about 25 years. And so, therefore, was desperate to rewatch it. It hasn't been available in the UK since we began the pod nearly <laughs> two years ago. It's finally on Amazon in glorious standard definition. <laughs> and the cable guy is a film that I've been meaning to rewatch for years. I only saw it once as a kid, and as I said in the intro, it didn't hit the spot I was expecting. But now, the idea of watching a darker Jim Carrey mainstream comedy seemed rather appealing. And that is why we are here. So, the clue I gave was too much TV, it's bad for your health. Chris followed that up on Twitter with? I was a bit hungover, Mm. if I'm honest. Mm. I mean, it was a picture of some static Mm. television. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just a quick reminder. Uh, football's on. So <laughs> England had played the night before. Chris is half arsing it at the moment. <laughs> Let's be honest. All uh, right. We flicked through the various guesses that were broadcast to the world at ClashPod on Twitter. We are at ClashPod on Instagram as well. Uh, we haven't done a horror pairing for a while. And I know you like this, Chris. I mm. love this. Uh, Josie Bob, Katie, Designs on Your Soul, Paul Logue, Tim Wilkins, Joshua Eaton, Ian Hughes all went. The Ring versus Poltergeist. It's a really good idea. Hadn't, hadn't yeah. occurred to me that pairing. No. It's, it's solid, isn't it? It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. We're definitely doing that in the near future. Uh, Gary said, The Truman Show versus Videodrome. It's a sentence I love, but I haven't seen Videodrome for so long. I don't know if it does work, but it's sort of appealing in its perversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely get to The Truman Show, won't we? Mm. Uh, Welsh and Elsewhere, aka Gavin, says, I can't imagine it would be these two, but is the next clash Videodrome versus Stay Tuned? Wow. Uh, no, it's not, but God, there's something beautiful about that too. And uh, Tom Mimna said, Stay Tuned versus Last Action Hero, which would have really worked, um, but it's not that. Mm. Uh, so uh, the correct guess this week goes to no one. You get nothing! In spite of the fact that you even put up a third clue. I did put up a third clue. Which was a good clue because it's one of my connections for the Mm, films. Yeah. Massive satellite dish. Yeah. In both movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But still, still no one got it. Uh, That is a first for Clash. Um, But as as we... We've never had one, Bert. Do you think we have? I think we have. Just not for a while, yeah. Right. I don't remember the last time people didn't get it. Uh, Dear Clash Potters. Anyway, it is Stay Tuned versus The Cable Guy. So, you know, try harder next time. 
connection section. What do you got? Giant satellite dishes. Giant satellite dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it, honestly. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Silence oh, of the Lambs. Oh, good one. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs jokes in both films, and there's quite a few Silence of the Lambs actors in Cable Guy. Mm. Uh, you'd be much happier if you stopped watching TV. It uh, seems to be the sentiment entirely in Stay Tuned and in a very confused way for about 10 <laughs> seconds in The Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of references, so there's a crossover in some of the references they make. Because both you get Cosby Show, Star Trek. There's a crossover. There you go. Two Star, Star Trek, Trek two Star Trek, two Cosby shows. Uh, Facts of Life. Yep, that's a joke in both. Uh, on on that basis, uh, dated pop culture references. Yes, in both films. Spec scripts written by people as their first screenplay. Uh, Jim Genuine and Tom Parker were advertising copywriters. Lou Holtz Jr., who wrote The Cable Guy, was a prosecutor. And both scripts, weirdly, uh, sold for $750,000. Oh, wow. Apparently. Bloody hell. And that's in early 1990s money. That's, yeah. that's a lot of dosh. Yeah. Born in the wrong era we were. Um, cable being sold to people on the basis that you get to watch sexy stuff. <laughs> Uh, Jack Black says that if you slip him some money, he'll give you all the movie channels, even the dirty ones. And Jeffrey Jones tells John Ritter he'll get hot oil aerobics. <laughs> the idea that Cable brings you some sexy stuff. Certainly did when I was a teenager. Oof, bravo. Uh, Beverly Hills Bordello, The Red Shoe Diaries. Great days. They weren't. Um, and yeah, I guess the final connection that I'm actually using is pretty much my clue. Too much TV is bad for your health. Both our protagonists get loads of TV from their cable guys and pay the price. Shall we get into this? Mm-hmm. Do it. All right. So on Thursday, Chris will be dealing with one of his hates, people illegally watching movies. God, he hates that. But today, we're more devil may care about things as Victoria channel surfs through Stay Tuned. V takes on a journey. Before the internet, people absolutely loved television. Rather than spending their precious leisure time binging red eyeshadow tutorials or Googling do diet lollipops give you the shits, there was nothing more relaxing than channel surfing the hours away. Just ask Roy Nabel, fencing champ turned couch potato who, when he's not undermining his wife and ignoring his kids, is fixed to the idiot lantern, so much so that when the devil's henchman offers him a free TV and 666 channels, he happily signs away his soul, then has to spend the next 24 hours saving himself and his marriage in twisted versions of much-loved TV shows that are now out to kill him. And so Roy remembers who he used to be and transforms from sad sack to hero, saving Helen and besting the devil and learning there's more to life than the goggle box. There's also fencing. Yeah, fencing, because fencing is the opposite of television. Deal with it. (laughs) It's a great film, the end. (laughs) It is a great film. Do diet lollipops give you the shits? Yeah. I don't I don't eat them because I believe they do give you the shits. (laughs) That's probably how they work though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it doesn't say why you'll be lighter. It just says you'll be lighter. (laughs) You can't do the time, don't do the crime. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm very excited to talk about this film. So first of all, I need to say I I've seen this a million times, right? So this was a video rental Mm. when I was really young and I have really clear memories of where I was. I was at my friend Kelly's house and we watched it a a million times. However, as I text you, I was like, this is the greatest film in the world. Me, aged eight. I wasn't eight because it didn't come out until 92 slash 93. So I was 11 or 12, (laughs) which is really bad because it means I was really juvenile and Mm. immature because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, I didn't get, at the time, I didn't get hardly any of the references. Yeah. Um, I still didn't get some of them. Mm. I mean, they're quite old well, some of them, And some of them never played in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. But I absolutely loved this film. And yeah, so 
Tell so, me. So who saw it the most then? Because Alex said earlier that he'd seen this a million times when he was a kid. Yeah. I think I've easily seen it sort of over five times. I'm closing in on 10. Yeah. No doubt. Because I, I, I actually, weirdly, I couldn't remember why this film was so omnipresent in my teenage years. But, you know, I'm a bit older than you. So I must have been about, I don't know, like 13, 14 and addicted to this movie. And I texted my little brother. I was like, why was this a big film? Did we, had we record it off the TV? He was like, no, we just used to rent it from the video mm. shop over and over and over again. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I, I loved it. And I understood watching it again this time. Why as a teenager, I adored it because it is so fast paced and it has all these elements that I loved as a kid. It's like part fantasy, supernatural, horror, hell, TV, pop culture. And it goes like the clappers. It's an hour and a half and you're done. Mm. Brilliant. And so, yeah, big, big part of my childhood. Chris? So I reckon by the time it came out on video, I would have been 15 and you would have been 14. Yeah. All right. That sounds about right. Um, I watched it once. Okay. And? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't watch it again. Right. <laughs> but do you have any memories of that? This is sort of the histories with the movie section. It's not just the stats. It's sort of more about an emotion. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think it was all that. Okay. Right. I mean, there were a lot of films that were like this in the 80s and 90s. There's no film like this. These anthologies, like Kentucky Fried Movie was one, Amazon Women on the Moon, UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic film, Mm. that were like like a a sketch show with with a loose framework that is an excuse just to put a bunch of sketches together. And I think this was my least favourite of all of them, and I don't like many of those ones either. Wow. Okay, different... Different opinions in the but studio. I do Still like friends. I do like the setup. I do like the premise. The devil selling you cable. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, wish yeah, wish the devil had been there. Anyway, anyway, let's talk. So I did my research, but there isn't <laughs> lots to say. Well. I've got. I literally will talk about it. Oh, okay. I'm mine's opposite to um, anyway. There isn't much to say. I don't think about the background, which I did do quite a bit of research, but that would that sort of pleased me because it kind of chimes with my relationship with this film. So. The fact that there's not much out there didn't surprise me because I loved it when I was 11, 12 or 8 or whatever I was. But then I completely forgot about it the mm. whole life and no one has ever mentioned it to me since in the intervening, what, like 30 years mm. until you, we talked about this film. I couldn't even believe you'd seen it. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, stage. I was like, oh, I fucking love that film. That, I can't believe you'd seen Chris's it. That's Chris's theory why no one guessed it on uh, Twitter. He doesn't think people are aware uh, of stage Yeah. Years. Yeah, what is, yeah, it's it doesn't screen regularly on TV. It's not easy to find on streaming. It so. featured on, I think, was it Screen Round? It was a website did uh, the lost films of the early nineties, and this obviously featured on that list and featured on a lot of lists like that. The, the underappreciated, mm. sorry, and, and it, films of the early nineties. And it doesn't it doesn't feature movie stars either. Yeah, yeah. but that's that. I just didn't realize until you, Alex, mentioned it like two years ago. I was like, we've never even had a conversation when we knew each other before this. We never talked about this film, you, but we were both like, oh my god, I love that film. You know, this it's this started getting a mention online last year when Wonder Vision came out, right? Because Wonder Vision followed a similar kind of premise. Mm. This did it in a different way. Mm. Um, well, the, the one exciting thing about it is it's the director. It's his hat trick yeah. movie on Clash of the Titles. Yes. Peter Hyams, our yeah. friend Peter Hyams <laughs> from uh, the End of Days episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. And of course, the fantastic <laughs> The course. Relic. Don't forget The Relic. The Relic. That <laughs> and, was a great and, episode. And looking through his back catalogue, there are a couple more. He could hit five at yeah. least. Oh my God. I we're think we're going to do Time Cop. Time Cop. And I really want to do a Sound of Thunder because I'm a masochist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be good. But in terms of the director, you've got the the original director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as Alex has mentioned, it was a spec script uh, by Jim Genoa and Tom S. Parker. Their first script, 
Although they then went on to write Richie Rich, which I've seen and loved, mm-hmm. and Flintstones, brilliant. Yeah, I think um, they were, but they were one of thirty-five yeah, yeah. writers <laughs> they didn't just on write the Flintstones. The Flintstones yeah. Also, big... two films that we could potentially do, Richie Rich and, and Flintstones. I went to the cinema to see Richie Rich. I was so excited about it. I fucking loved it. I always thought, because it was always there in my childhood, but it was a massive flop. It was. I out. couldn't believe I that. Well, it's because they spent all the money paying Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> they could never make the money back. Yeah. Um, so, Morgan Creek, who made it, they're funded by Warner Brothers. And so they wanted Tim Burton to direct it. Tim Burton mm. declined because he wants to do Batman Returns Idiot. instead. Is there a way to do both? I don't know. But Peter Hyams, he apparently just campaigned really hard. He'd read the spec. He loved it. He really wanted it. I I think it's fair to say he may not have been a natural choice at the time. Although there is quite a lot of action set pieces in it, so maybe. But it is. I think it's a bit of a jump from Tim Burton to Peter Hyams at the time. Um, But whatever. What do I know? Um, So he'd done it. Yeah, he'd got an interesting CV at this point. Other movies that we could do, probably not the first one, but he'd done the sequel to two thousand. 2001 mm. A Space Odyssey, 2010, which as a kid, I remember enjoying a lot more because it's more of an action movie. Something happens. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed better for, 2010. Better if you're a kid, yeah. And isn't it, is it Roy Schneider in it as well? Roy yeah, Schneider? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like 2010. He'd done Capricorn 1, which is great, and yep. uh, another movie that we are definitely doing, Outland. He'd mm. done that, uh, the Western in Space with Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter? He doesn't want to do Outland. He's excited about Outland and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so it was going to be Dan Aykroyd in the lead. He turned it down. Richard Dreyfus was also attached. But then we end up with John Ritter, um, quite rightly. Um, Tracy yeah. Ullman was attached to be Helen. We end up with Pam Dorber from More Committed. This is this is another reason why it makes sense why I loved it because I loved More Committed. Sure. When well, I was we little. we as a kid in England at that time, you knew Pam Dorber. You didn't really know John Ritter. Mm-hmm. No. His 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 uh his big uh, sitcom I don't think screened over here or if it did it didn't when we were kids Three's Company right yes. yeah no. I've never seen it but, no. um, and I didn't get the joke the parody no, of it in no. this at all no but every kid loved Mork and Mindy mm. and I think it's quite clever casting because these are two actors who I think were trying to escape their TV past right. by moving into movies playing two characters who were trying to escape from TV mm. oh nice yeah that's true I um. Yeah, I'm surprised there is no Mork and Mindy. I don't know whether mm. it's a, a rights thing, but it's it's weird that he gets a parody of Three's Company, but there's no Mork and Mindy. Yeah, that's a good point. That is all I've got. I mean, and I yeah, did look quite hard. That's yeah. kind of it. That's um, fine. So we'll talk about the film and let's talk about why I love this film so much because the opening scene is Ghostbusters. Yeah! <laughs> so it just I've been on such a journey with this watching it in the week and I had had a bit to drink, as I confessed. But everything just fell into place for me as to why I loved it because I didn't examine why I loved it when I was 11. I was like, this is a great film. That's the end of that conversation. I think just for uh, for diehard fans of your drinking, yeah. um, <laughs> remind us what the drink is of choice at the moment. It's a jet pilot. It's called a jet pilot, um, yeah. what goes into that? It's three types of rum, one one of which is overproof, lime juice, and then a blend of uh, herbs and spices, one of which is a little tiny bit of absinthe, just to really, <laughs> oh just to really kick things <laughs> off. Uh, Valernum, which is like a spice. I think it's a liqueur. I think it's got sugar in it. It's got like cardamom and whatever else. The cinnamon syrup in it and a fuckload of crushed ice. And it is delicious. It sounds wow. good. What's over, overproof means it's... Illegally strong. <laughs> it's very strong. Not like, illegally. You can buy it. What's overproof? So it's that's like... over fifty percent. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. I think this uh, one. So if it's over fifty percent, then you'll definitely need to add absinthe to it <laughs> to give it a kick. <laughs> I'll dilute it with absinthe. <laughs> Water it yeah, down. Yeah, it was an exciting day in my house when the absinthe arrived. I was like, "What the fuck?" 
this? <laughs> That's the worst. Do you not remember when I drank absinthe when we were at was college? Was it you? Yeah. Oh my god, so Mark was like, we've never drunk this together. I was like, we have because I've had it. So mm. who have I drunk absinthe I, with? I, I brought it back. Um, I drank it in town and I drank quite a lot in town. And then I was walking back to, to the tube to come back to college and... Uh, this was an evening, a Friday night, and these German tourists came up to me and was like, uh, do you know where this uh, pop scene club is? And I'm like, pop scene? Yeah, it's this way. And they, I was going to direct them, and then I went, I'll just show you. Oh, and then I walked oh, I walked into pop scene with them, and then I think they ran off because they were like, we're here now, <laughs> goodbye. And I, I sort of walked around pop scene expecting to see people I knew, even though I oh, wasn't hey, with anyone. And I did a circuit, and then I got back on the tube and came back to... College and gave you the absinthe. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's good. So now I can square that circle because I did not know. And I gave it that was I don't know who I drank it with. I've definitely had it. Gave it a sniff and all these like I was like it was a long time ago. That's the memory that's coming through. <laughs> but I didn't know it was you. Um. Oh, that's fun. So yeah. Uh. Opening scene, Ghostbusters. Not much to say about that, but it sets up the idea that the devil is out and about, sort of recruiting people. But importantly, let's go and meet the Nabel family. So John Ritter as Roy Nabel. <laughs> so. From a script perspective, he was a fencing champ and he, he's watching the telly and he gets the sword down from the wall. That kind of makes no sense. Like, fencing is not the opposite of television, mm. um, which is the sort of thing you want to do there. Like, you used to be this and now you're this. Mm. And before you know the ending or the explanation that he was a fencer, mm. is that right? He's yeah. just randomly fencing the telly. I know, but also it's a it's a setup and payoff, right? It's, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in I that no respect, that, yeah. I mean, I, I will say this script does a very good job. It doesn't waste a lot of uh, nonsense and guff at the start in terms of just like this and that. Everything is setting up stuff that pays off later. Well, it's oh, all, yeah. Because it's all done via narration by a kid. Who's oh, that's talking, true. That's who's true. the kid talking to? Yeah. Why is this kid talking to me? Such a good point, and I can't give it a pass because what? It's yeah, who, who are you talking to? And also, you don't need it. That's like, the no. point. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. You watch the images that are happening on screen and they're really quite... I actually think the narration spoils it because him dragging <laughs> the plumbing supplies up the stairs and his yeah. depression and his midlife crisis is all really bleakly illustrated in the images and then, unfortunately, undone by this child talking about it. You, yeah. need, you need to understand why this man is depressed because he's married to a successful woman. Yeah. And that's it, that's impossible. <laughs> that poor, poor man. Yeah. But it is a bit like my not. house, yeah. He's I, not. I, I recognise that dynamic. <laughs> but he's not actually. He keep, he makes it very clear that he's not threatened by her. She thinks he is. He says he's not. Mm. <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? Oh, it is like your house. <laughs> he wouldn't be because not only she's an advertising executive but she's one for a vitamin company which is so weirdly specific yeah. and not that exciting like. yeah. but I suppose again script wise like, what can she do that's wholesome that's the opposite of slobbing around watching telly vitamins yes. I suppose it, and it's the, yeah. it's the 90s although I say set up and pay off that never comes back in it's, it doesn't yeah. she does get a bit robbed of her moment mm. later on um, so their marriage is in trouble because he loves TV so much and then this upset me a bit on this watch the kids they've got these two kids they're lovely they make themselves scarce for the night so basically so their parents can have sex I mean that is what's happening and I found that very upsetting that the kids are like goodbye do you think so a little bit yeah. I know I think they just were like you know we want to give you some time yeah, together but he says about oh and the neighbours they, they went off and they stayed in a hot tub all weekend and then they were fine and it's like well, what were they doing in the hot tub you know so <laughs> Does he know how no, old I don't is think he? he understands. Yeah, he's okay. a little naive kid. He's a little yeah, 90s, 90s family movie kid who's like, just spend some time together. Yeah. yeah. But the, I did get this when I was 11 and I got it again now. Their marriage, their relationship between Roy and Helen just feels... 
believable and relatable and you just root for them so much already, mm. I feel. And obviously it's very difficult to disentangle my emotion from watching it this time around. But I just feel like that. Like you just, just feel like they're good people and you want them to be all right. I don't really I don't really buy it with him. Really? Do you think yeah. he's a bit of a... It's a bit over the top watching. So he doesn't talk to his kids or his wife. All he does is watch TV 24-7. But both of these films, I do the pre-internet thing. I know I was making a joke, but these films wouldn't happen now because what we do when we're addicted to something and we ignore people is we're just scrolling. Mm. Telly's telly's fantastic, but I don't think it quite commands our attention the way it used to. Oh, I disagree. I mean, I I really, when he is watching, I think it's the basketball game and he's giving sort of one word answers and then he's trying to explain that he really wants to watch the TV because he's invested in it and she's like I can't believe you're not listening to me I have that conversation with Nettie all the time because she 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 likes to talk when we're watching TV and I I can't do both yeah I have to because I don't want to do both because I'm invested in the show what are you watching? anything (laughs) no but like good things but I think we're in this golden era of TV we're in this golden age of TV and I'm really drawn into TV country files on that big I I love coast I, I I don't understand that. And in unrelated news, please don't talk to me during the football tonight. Not a, not a word. Yeah, I mean, I do that. It's yeah, I'm not gonna. Well, I I do that annoying thing, which I I pretend that I'm doing because it's the way it should happen. But I'm really doing to make a point where Nettie goes. Eh, so listen, and I like pause. Yes, and the, the TV has to be on pause mm. while we're having the conversation. Then I'll Excellent. unpause it, which makes an hour long TV drama last about four hours. <laughs> I think. Nettie needs to watch TV with Georgina and I need to watch it with you. (laughs) And then everyone will be fine. (laughs) Uh, More on that after a short break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's Jeffrey Jones as Spike, um, offering after Helen has smashed at the telly by brilliantly, script-wise, throwing the fencing trophy at the telly, mm. um, offering Roy a new telly and 666 channels. Um, Helen's scream when she comes home and sees the telly, I just thought was amazing. Like I thought it was so funny, like her <laughs> horrified scream. Um, and the TV is showing things like Three Men and Rosemary's Baby and wow. sadistic home videos. And this, to me, is a perfect tease of what is to come in this film and we'll talk about why this film, I think why me and you, Alex, like it so much, because this TV can show you anything within parameters. So you feel safe within those parameters, mm. but it can do anything, which is really exciting. Yeah. I um, mean, this this feels so like just a really well-written parody stuff. Like the idea of going, <laughs> we thought it would be funny if our Bob, dressed as a policeman, would tell a perfect stranger that her husband was dead. <laughs> it's like <laughs> funny, funny, well yeah. done. And the bit where he's like, Look across the street yeah. and you're like, it's just great. Yeah, and the fact that she's in on it, so she does her hair and she's like, it's that camera. She's like, oh my God, <laughs> you guys, yeah. that's so good. Yeah, but like even Three Men and Rosemary's Baby, like I, I got those references at, yeah. at 14. And to me, I think this was one of the first times I'd sort of seen cinema eat itself, something yes. be so meta. So this felt like a really really edgy Yeah, on movie. a level that you could understand as well. Like, it's not really... It is, it's first for grown-ups, but Three Men and Rosemary's Baby, you get that, because mm. it's, it's like a bit puerile, but mm. fine. Um, so, like, when Hel- so Helen and Roy get sucked into the huge dish in their garden and they're going to be in Helivision, straight into a game show called oh, You I Can't Win. I wish it was called Helivision. It is called Helivision, It's just isn't it? called Hellvision. Oh, is it? Yeah, which is now disappointing because oh, yeah, Hellvision is great. Yeah. Oh, Idiots. We find out they're doing it, though, that this is all happening to entertain Satan. Mm. Yeah. Which is really similar to the plot of Cabin in the Woods. Yes, and the so gods. is the control room. Yeah. They ripped it off. They did. Mm. And I felt like um, the Jeffrey Jones arrival and the deal he makes is so similar to the box with Frank Langella's character mm. arriving at the door and offering. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, If only the rest of the box was as good as the start of the box. I'm um, with you on that. So this is why I like this film. So when they're in the game show, obviously that's just a set up that anything can happen and they're going to get, they can be killed. But it's like, to me, this is why the film is good. It's like a lucid dream because anything can happen. Where will they go next? But within the parameters of it will be a TV show. Mm. So as a viewer, you're like, oh, they could go anywhere and do anything. It's just so thrilling. But it does work best. And we can talk about this as we come to them. It works best when... And I think sometimes they deviate a bit too much. It's like there is such a well of TV tropes to pick from. I think sometimes their choices are a little bit strange and it feels like they've... they've... Because they they don't bother. Some Mm. of them, it's just, what is that? That's not a TV show. It's not a TV show. It is. I think they're all TV shows. It's just that they're not... They're not as well known as they should be for a show that really has such a well of pop culture to dip into. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like that. For example, like the the French Revolution. Uh, yes. It's like, I mean, you why there? Why that? What is it, a historical a historical drama? It's sort of like it's it's not something that you're like, oh, I want to see that. That's true. Put put in a couple of songs and it's a piss take of Les Mis. 
mm. something like that. It's yeah, just, yeah. I just feel like I, uh, mm. hard, so many of them, I'm like, what, what are you getting at here? This, yeah, I do think that's in the game show element, though. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but the Napa Crapper 2000 is actually a fantastic idea. It's not bad, is it? I, I mean, as long as you live alone, you know, yeah. and you don't have people and over. And it's plumbed in. Well, it you would know be I mean? plumbed in, yeah. I hope. I mean, I mean I'm imagining it, it doesn't plumbed in. I'm not saying I just want to shit in a bowl underneath a chair. <laughs> in a commode. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, that's in your future, so... <laughs> yeah, no, a long way in the future. Maybe. Well, not the way I'm going. No. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the control room, very cabin in the woods. Um, we meet uh, Eugene Levy as Crowley, so that's Spike's sort of second in command. Um, and we established that all this programming is for the boss, uh, not Bruce Springsteen. That's still funny, I think. <laughs> and then we've got this um, other character, which I completely forgot about. Is he called Pierce? Who's the sort of trying intern. to oust? Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to oust the Jeffrey point, Jones. Pointless intern subplot is what yeah. I've written down. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I guess yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. But the the joke he makes about there being a lack of subtext, that's a very funny meta joke. And I would not have got that in 1992. And this time I was laughing my head off. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so anyway, we've set up the rules. If they survive 24 hours, Helen and Roy, they get to go home. Mm, we uh, but- literally have a, a literal ticking clock throughout. Perfect. It's great. Yeah. But as um, Spike says, everybody stays. So, you know, the odds are against them. Uh, so that means we're off. So we can go anywhere. We go wrestling, which was fine. We go to Alaska. Um, but the, the bit that obviously we're all excited about is the cartoon. Yay! <laughs> so this, this is a six minute sequence. Uh, Roy and Helen are transformed into cartoon mice pursued by a robot cat, uh, co-directed by Chuck Jones of Looney Tunes with uh, Jeff DeGrandis, who was the film's animation supervisor. It took, where is it, 22 weeks <laughs> to animate. This was the first thing they started before yeah, yeah. anything else in yeah. the movie. I think this is one of the last things, the legend that is Chuck Jones actually did. Yeah. Oh, he was really, he was like 80 something when he did it. It's brilliant though. It's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it's what I loved most when I was 11. And I still absolutely loved it. Um, so Chuck, this is why, um, this makes sense. So Chuck Jones said, here are people who have been humans and now have become mice. That's a lot different from being Bugs Bunny, who has no past history of being a human being. Mm. But that's, I mean, it's very basic, but that is why it works. Because I love Looney Tunes. I love Tom and Jerry. I love all like Saturday morning cartoons I was huge, hugely into. So having the dynamic of the characters understanding like human jeopardy and having like bickering and a domestic and little relationship dramas just love it they make a, a a pussy joke here yeah and it comes straight after we had the meet the mansons yes hmm. and i guess what has me scratching my head is this this is a kids film but it's filled with jokes that are very much aimed at adults and it doesn't hmm. it, where you know we all agree that pixar work on both levels here i just i found it quite off it's a family film i'd say not a kids film and also i mean as a kid in the 90s you wanted to watch movies that you didn't fully understand. That was the exciting thing, wondering about what that meant. And I think the minute if you're, if you're a child and you're being played to, you feel patronised slightly. You want to be watching films that you don't get. And like, you know, I remember like the Manson gag and going, no idea what that is. No idea. But that's interesting. I wonder what it is. It's like a mystery. And now you, now you know what it is. It's just not funny. It's I a mean, bit upsetting now. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, it's, yeah. I and I, lo- it's I, love a, I love a pun. I love a pun, but like the 30-something to life um, bit of it, that is just a pun. I think you need to have a joke connected to the pun Mm -hmm. rather than just, oh, we've come up with a pun and let's put that on screen. The only one that I was a little bit (sighs) was different strokes. Oh, yeah. It was like, I I can't feel my arm. I can't see anymore. 
Different strokes. Very dark. Mm, that's really dark. Yeah. See, you like that one, didn't you? You like that one? <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm laughing. It's making me laugh. There is a moment yeah. in the cartoon where Helen says to Roy that she's going to leave him and he says, where are you going to go? Your cartoon mother's house. <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah, it's... um. It's great, though. I mean, the, the only annoying thing about the cartoon is where Roy, as a mouse, goes, you know, I, I watch a lot of cartoons. Yeah. I mean, how do I get out of this? Show him watching a cartoon at the start instead of, like, everything else. It's mm. like, that's the one thing you don't see. Oh, if you okay. showed him yeah. sitting on his sofa, like, loving a cartoon, then you get that. But it is thrilling when he connects the dots and he's like, I'm in a cartoon, I therefore can do what I like. Yeah. That's very satisfying. Yeah. Um, and then with That's All Folks comes up, it's like when you're 11, you're just like, you're cheering. Like, it's just so, so, so satisfying. It gives me Roger, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibes, yeah. this whole bit. There's something about it. Oh, yeah, this. that was a good film. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> straight after it goes into My Three Sons of Bitches, um, do you know what one of the sons was called in that? No. Chip Douglas. Really? Uh, that's where that comes from. Oh. That's brilliant. Yeah. Mm. That's brilliant. Uh, how about uh, the... Uh, Famous uh, Maxell cassette advert, Max Hell. Yeah. I remember that advert yeah, as a kid. I do too. It was great. Yeah. Um, See, nostalgia. It's a wonderful thing. The only bit that upset me, and bearing in mind I was quite drunk, so I wasn't feeling like particularly like prurient, is when the, the cartoon mice are in the cartoon house and they've got like a moment alone from this cat trying to kill them. And Roy says to Helen, for a mouse, you're quite sexy. And then you know what you say every week, it's not the fucking time. <laughs> yes. yes. I think I wrote it down. I think I, I, write, I write it down and every what? time. What's the plan there? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so now we're off to Dwayne's Underworld, which was going to star real life. Wayne's World stars Mike Myers. I mean, and was Carvey. it? I, I don't. Know. I can't believe they would read this script and go, "Yeah, we want to be a part of that. We don't use our characters." <laughs> oh, hold on. I can't, we are, we're doing a parody. Yes. You can't parody a parody. <laughs> That's yeah. what I don't understand about that one. It's but just. But it did work on me when I was eleven. I was like, "Yeah, cool. I love no, it." No, it didn't. It does. You you went. Oh, I recognise that. Yes. It's, there was nothing funny about it. There's um, a very dark joke in there as well about when they're looking through the. They're like porn mag, and it's a, they're like, oh, Helen's in here. I can't remember what they said. Helen's in here, whatever. And they're like, oh, your daughter's pom poms. Oh, it's like, fuck me, she's like fifteen or yeah, something. Yeah, because that's think, not good. I think fake Garth then points to his nipples, so it's it's nothing's left to the imagination in that moment. <laughs> I do think uh, <laughs> I worship Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It is. <laughs> It just gives me vibes of, you know, those spoofs they do now, like the hungover games, where it's like a spoof of the hangover, but the hangover was almost a spoof in itself. And I think spoofing a spoof is not, I just don't think there's any humour in it. Yeah, because you end up making like um, epic movie and disaster movie yeah. and superhero mm. movie. Uh, the worst of those was the, uh, you know, I think it's like rom like romantic movie, whatever it was called. Mm. It was basically you were taking very funny comedies and then parodying them. And you're like, what are you mm. doing? Yeah. You and it's half parody, but it's main just, oh, remember this. Remember this bit. Remember this bit. <laughs> it's, the, yep. it's South Park's member berries. I mean, I see what you're saying, but you, you move move on quickly enough to one of the best parts of the film apart from the cartoon which is the noir spoof um, so Roy Nabel private dick and this just it is funny like when he can't get his gun and his secretary's like you've dropped your gun again Mr Nabel I mean I was hooting away he's a really good comedic actor as well John Ritter yeah I think I think I think because he's spent most of his life on TV jumping from show to show I think it means that he can just do all these all this physical yeah. comedy all the you know he's he's he, yeah I just think he's good at 
lots of different jobs which works for this script. And also, you know, I'm a big fan of a makeover scene and now we're into the section where your characters, you see them made over a couple of times like quite drastically and that's always, uh, that ticks a lot of boxes for me. I do think... It- it's that thing, you know, I hate the term, the, the X factor, but it's something that uh, no amount of like uh, comedic training, clown school and, you know, all the rest of it can can give an actor. And it's that likability. Mm. And he is just such a likable presence yeah. on screen. Yeah, it is amazing. And also being a bit more sort of high-minded about the script, the the noir spoof section. So we pick up the magic talisman from the neighbour, we pick up the remote control. But think about the restraint that the script shows in not giving John Ritter or Roy Nabel a sort of very classic hero moment. Because in a minute we'll go to the French Revolution when he's dressed up in drag and he's like a, a lady with his boobs and whatever. That's the moment when him and Helen make up and it's quite serious and he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to fix this and all the rest of it. You would think that you could put that moment in the black and white thing and give your leading man a true, he looks like a leading man, he's dressed like it, he's Humphrey Bogart, he's going to talk to his wife in that way. But he does it with a wig and lipstick and boobs on and it's still just as good. Mm. But I think that's incredible. Like you've got that scene, where do we put it? And it's like, no, we'll put it, we'll give him the chance to be, he looks very funny and it's still a really emotional moment. I think that's amazing. Being serious yeah. for a second. The noir bit's great. I like the I, I like Murray Murray isn't Murray Sidenbaum's yeah. journey from sort of snivelling husband to yeah. the big gangster boss as well. I remember when he turned <laughs> yeah. back up in it, I was like, oh my god. He's, yeah. But it's not clear if he's a bit of a dick or not. Like he's sort of kidnapped. Like um he's pretty happy his wife's dead. He's pretty happy his wife's dead, yeah, and I then think that makes you a bad guy. He sort of brought Pam Dorber's character to his table. Yeah. Which is a little bit sleazy. But then he's like, take the remote, you can save yourselves. Yeah. I'm already gone. Awesome. Mm. Um so yeah, then we're in the French Revolution. I mean, I do see your point now that it's a bit sort of like, why? Because I did think it was gonna be lame is, but it isn't. Um, but I, then... I, I imagine it's just what they had access to in terms of set and costumes. Okay. I really feel like they, 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 I don't think a huge amount of thought has gone into some of them. Uh, and Crowley pops up again here, which to me was just the right time. Like you'd kind of forgotten about him. He's in it just the right amount. Maybe not enough, possibly, because he's he's very funny. Um, but uh, back home... Have we d- talked about the exercisist? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's a good joke. It is good. That's a great joke. Just see, they're done really well because it's like, that's a joke where... That's a pun connected to a joke, so that's better. Yeah, when uh, Feel the Burn mm. and then Doreen bursts into flames. <laughs> it's like, great going, Doreen. <laughs> And the head spin. <laughs> that, I, two Remember the head spin. <laughs> uh, but because it's the 90s, uh, one of your children has to be a whiz at technology in some homemade kind of shonky way. It, it, it really reminded me of two films that we'd done, and that's Jumanji and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, Honey, Where, I Shrunk the Kids, definitely. Yeah, whether it's the kids and the adults or the adults and the kids in danger, one or the other, but it's, I, th- I felt like it was very similar in the way it plays out. I just thought it was done better in those two. Mm. Um, it's good, though, that the sister doesn't... like. I think what could have been really frustrating is, like, you know, I, I think this is something you hate, where the audience knows something and a character still doesn't know something and refuses to acknowledge the obvious thing. Mm. And the kid, the little brother, is constantly going, look, it's mum and dad on the TV. Look, it's mum and she's like, no, no, no. And I think they play that just to the point where it was going to get annoying. Yeah. And her realisation that actually... This is real. It happens at the perfect moment. Yeah, and also the the writing is appropriate. The scene where the girls that she's hanging out with, they're practising their cheerleading. This is like a minor thing, but he, the brother needs to get them away from the dish. There are, you can brainstorm a million jokes that could be like quite 
flat or like or not appropriate or not age appropriate or whatever and to spray them with water so that they then chase after him it's just sweet and it makes sense and it's like yeah it's cute it's fun it works like I'm, I'm there I just I just really do I just love how much is going on like how many different places we visit do you watch, you watch Rick and Morty yeah this like to me is a forerunner for the best Rick and Morty episodes which are still the two interdimensional cable episodes yeah. where they just sit and narrate crazy channels and it feels like that so Daryl's kind of figured it out um, and he saves the day. So he saves Roy, but we need an act three. So there's a little bit of random rules here, which I think they just about get away with, which means Roy is fine. But because Helen was kind of trespassing in Hellvision, um, all bets are off. So she's... I thought that was the worst bit of writing in it. The, this sort of adding these rules in at the last minute that yeah. don't really make much sense to discharge Roy so that Roy can go back in and be the hero. But it's just very... Wishy washy. Coming back out, it does. It ruins the 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 escape at the end. Having Roy come back out and go yes. back in for a second time is yeah. is a real shame. And also, just to be really super pedantic, and I never noticed this as a kid, but I did notice it this time round. So, Roy signed the contract, and so it's all about him. And you know, he succeeds, so he can leave. But with Murray Seidenbaum and his wife. Mm. He signs the contract, clearly, because Jeffrey Jones is the one who comes to his door. Mm -hmm. And then his wife dies, and that wipes the Seidenbaum score off the big chart on the wall. Where it should be his death that does that. She should be inconsequential because she is the the Pam Dorber in their relationship. Yeah. It felt it feels like spinning it out an extra ten minutes just to hit the runtime they want to hit, rather than because because the the story's them in the TV. So let's just get through this. We're, think, we're so near the end. Yeah, just to like advocate for the other side, which I can't believe I'm doing, but hmm. I think maybe yeah. you take him out of the dish so that his kids can see him in the real world being a hero because they think their dad's a bit useless, and so he's like, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to save mom, and, and it's that family moment, and they're like, be careful or whatever, and so maybe that's mm. why it's there. It's just as soon as someone says, oh, you're only supposed to take one, what? Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah, I mean, this is both sort of like one of my favourite sections, this end, and, and one of my worst, um, because I love the pace where it just goes up to 11 in terms of him jumping around um, yeah. with the remote being chased by Spike yeah. mm. from place to place. I mean, I, holy Shatner is a, a great gag. Well, they'd obviously just seen Back to the Future 3 because they make all the same Western jokes in the Western uh, sequence. Wait. He's even dressed like the man with no name, just yeah. like just like um, Michael J. Fox does. It's like my typical well, does. To, ex- like, to kind of elucidate why I may be a bit unbalanced in my appraisal. So there's a Star Trek Next Generation joke there. And to me, I was a massive like Star Trek Next Generation fan, but no one else that I knew my age was. It was just me and my granddad. Like We used to watch all of them. And actually, we didn't have Sky or Cable. My uncle did, and he used to tape it off Sky or something. Yeah, it was so, Sky. Um, so to me, I was like, I was watching that at 11. I was like, oh my God, it isn't just me. Like, this is a thing that people like. Mm. And I'm from a small town and I was a little bit nervous about my trajectory, to be honest. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to be fine. There are other people. And that's, and that's great. And I I felt the same, you know, Star Trek Next Generation, brilliant reference. Amazing that it's in there. Western climax. It's like, well, it's it's sort of just a a very broad stroke. We've got the set. Mm. Let's get down there and do something there. But yeah. she does a great job with the line, he's going to hit me with a train and blow me up. And her, Roy, is so good. <laughs> um, Roy gets to be Errol Flynn for a little bit. So now the fencing makes sense. So that's mm. good. So we can tick that off. And then there is a genuine, I mean, as much as I love this film, a very genuinely bad bit. What? Which the is. F. 
<laughs> the music video featuring Salt and Pepper where John Ritter is dressed as Prince and it goes on forever. Spike is, is Spinderella. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's just what what are Salt and Pepper doing in the film? I, I was don't just know. thinking 92. Obviously, they're one of the biggest bands in the world, but I didn't really. Maybe if it was New Kids on the Block, I could have seen the connection to teenagers who were. This film seems to be aimed at, but yeah. it's the Salt and Pepper thing and the fact that they play the whole song. Yeah. Well, it was the song for the movie. So if you watch the original video, it starts with them on TV and Stay Tuned is on the screen. So this was on the soundtrack for the film. So I think it's just a bit rich. If you are taking the piss out of TV for an entire movie and mocking TV shows and mocking adverts and all the rest of it, and then you put a promotion Mm. for the tied-in song to your Mm. movie in full and don't make it funny for the like three yeah. and a half minutes, it's yeah. just you can't and, have your cake and eat it. And it's weird. Yeah. It's weird that Salt and Pepper have the the controller, yeah. the clicker. So they basically have these people's lives in their hands. Like, how did they get involved Ooh, with this? Quick question, sidebar: What do you call the remote control in your house? The remote. Do you? What yeah, do you call it? The remote, I think. Yeah. Mm. What do you call it? Like a twat now. Well, Alan. We call. <laughs> what do you call it? The, the buttons. <laughs> The buttons. Yeah. That's quite cute. Yeah, I think you can call it whatever you want. All right, thanks, Chris. Well, Passes yeah. the buttons. Yeah. I'm going to call it the buttons now. Okay, but if you were in your house and Vicky said, can you pass me the buttons, would you know what she was talking about? No. Well, then it's not a good name. So <laughs> I, I think the biggest problem is that this Salt and Pepper song, Start Me Up, is also not premium Salt and Pepper. No, no, this no is, not, top, not top five. This is not Push It. <laughs> this is certainly not none of your business. This not is, let's talk about sex. No, sex. I tried to. I tried to. The dancing is great, but I was like, this song is boring. Start me up. You, you gotta stand me up. I was like, I hated it as a kid and I hated it this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Spike is cancelled. Um, the evil dog next door gets zapped. How did you feel about that? I, I was actually fine with that because right why this scared me when I watched this as a kid, I had been attacked uh, by a dog only a few years earlier. Mm. My neighbor's dog attacked me. Oh. Uh, the only time in my life, age nine, where I've spontaneously wet myself. <laughs> oh. I genuinely believe that, oh, um, that my body was trying to create a, a moat uh, <laughs> to try and keep the dog you out. Heard. I think you were just frightened. <laughs> oh, no, I like to think you've I was heard, thinking. Heard, this must have been from your stand up because I've heard that moat line a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd moved past that, Alex. No, I've got I a, really did. All right, well, look, I've got a scar. There's a scar there. I've got a scar for There's, there's, there's me. nothing there. Poor Bit Alex. me, yeah. That's why I've got a dog now that I can overpower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Come believe that, me, Simon. I don't believe that for a second. That dog could take you out <laughs> with one bite. Um, but speaking of injuries, uh, Eugene Levy, who we barely mentioned, he, he he's lost another appendage at this point. He's losing yes. appendages, isn't he, in this film? Yeah, because he gets exposed to the cold <laughs> in Alaska, so his leg drops off. I mean, he's got a weird subplot going on. I like. He's a fantastic actor. But, yeah. Yeah. He's great in it. He's but brilliant. I, I remember being quite something quite bleak about him sort of losing yeah. limbs over the course of the movie. It's uh, it's a very that's that's more strange to me in a, in a family film than um, than anything else. Yeah. Uh, so then the family you didn't do driving over Miss Daisy. Oh yeah, sorry. You I cannot. Forgot. That was the that was the funniest thing as a kid. It's so brutal though. Yeah. It is really brutal when he goes back over. <laughs> it's outrageous. But it's Jeffrey Jones's face. He's sort of mugging so much. He really yeah. pulls it off. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, family reunited. And then Roy opens his fencing academy. Um, I don't remember this bit at all. I think it's, weird, I, 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 it's very odd, isn't it's it? Really this, is our, this is our uh, happy finale. Is He's got a fencing school. It is bananas because, again, script-wise, you just, you've got your beginning, middle and end. And you're like, OK, we're going to link the end to the beginning. What's the opposite of television? Fencing. Mm-hmm. It's not. But um, it gets, But then in a weird way, this to me, this is what dates it in a way that is not necessarily negative. It's just very interesting. He says to one of his fencing students, you know, too much TV is bad for you. Do we still talk in those terms? Do we warn kids about watching too much TV? We basically say too much screen time is bad for you, but that that's because of endless scrolling, not necessarily consuming TV. Well, this film is very happy to steal from other films and it should have been the Back to the Future ending. He should have been maybe an aspiring writer who gave up because all he did was watch TV rather than write his own stories and then at the end he's gone back to writing. And he's... Why do him and Spike have a writing competition midway through? You need something active. I'd see where why it has to be to... something physical. Because that's the opposite of a couch potato. Exactly, fencing works. I know. I'm really thinking you're both being quite down on this fencing theme. I it's because it's, it's strong. Theme. It's because it's bizarre. I think it's it's bizarre the... that it ends on a freeze frame of him in an empty fencing studio. Because <laughs> oh, that's what kids want to see. When you say it like that, it does seem weird. <laughs> this yeah. small business that's definitely going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that last shot. I think it's a really great shot. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's great. Mm. I, I, I will say at this point as a kid, I, 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 no, no pun intended, I tuned out. I think I'm sort of gone once they're not channel hopping anymore. Fact, I'm yeah, like, whatever, whatever. Why would you? Because you've got the full TV lineup coming up, <laughs> aka jokes that weren't good enough for the movie. Movie. Uh, ship, the Fresh Prince of Darkness, that's good enough. Where's are you kidding? That? The best joke in the whole show is Murder She Likes. Yeah. <laughs> David David that. Dukes of Hazard. I had to look it up. What yeah, and it? it's not good. No. Nope. I mean, I just know who he is. He's a baddie. Yeah, he was yeah. Uh, a presidential candidate in the US who was written off because he was a huge supporter of the KKK. Yeah, he's, no, he's one, he, was, he was a grand wizard, I think. So, oh, wow, um, yeah. oh, okay. So yeah, but it's like, again, it's just sticking puns up. Like, yeah. Unmarried with children is pretty good because it's yeah. so subtle. <laughs> But there's no visual. That's my memory. I remember the jokes, but I thought there was a still. I thought they yeah, filmed it, something. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it feels quite lazy to me. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like they want to entertain us, but they didn't have the money to make a still. Like, a, that's, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and also I think it's a shame we don't pay off Helen's job at this point. So Roy's got his fencing academy. There's a <clears> subplot bubbling away that he's trying to be supportive. He maybe feels a bit threatened of her ascendancy and that is unresolved, which is a bit of a shame. I mean, it's weird that this family was all quite disparate at the start and we don't see them together at the end. We see him having replaced watching TV with pursuing a career, but still not a family man. Yeah, he's still not home. Mm. Yeah, and then that's it. I just So in doing the research... I found out that it was a massive bomb, which I didn't realise. I knew it hadn't like gone gangbusters because no one talks about it, but I didn't realise how bad it was. Mm. Um, although there is apparently, as of August last year, a TV series adaptation in the works, apparently. Mm. Um, that's it. Do you want to do the bits? I'd love to do the bits. I know Chris is chomping at the bits. Well, why don't you go first then, Chris? What's your best scene? Uh, when he drives back over Miss Daisy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Good. It's good. Uh, it's got to be the cartoon mice, hundred percent. I mean, I know it's uh, it's the one that anyone would highlight from this, but it's just so well done. And Chuck Jones was a genius, and uh, it's uh, fantastic. So yeah, cartoon mice by Chuck Jones. Yeah, for me too. Just because it's just purely pleasure. It's mm. just fun to watch, um, and it just activates all these different parts of your brain, um, especially now like nostalgia as well. But when I was younger, I was like, I love cartoons, and I love this. So that's brilliant. I was obsessed with. Um, I used to rent Looney Tunes on VHS from the video shop, and. 
I was obsessed with one uh, anthology series, which so it, it was kind of loads of separate cartoons, but it followed this overarching story where Yosemite Sam uh, kept being going to hell. Like he kept ending up in hell and the devil kept sending him back to a different time. It was basically like stay tuned. He kept getting sent back to kill Bugs Bunny in different time periods. And uh, in the end, uh, he can't beat Bugs Bunny. So the devil goes, I'll give you one more chance. He goes, fuck it, I'm staying down here. <laughs> Should have made that movie. Um, my MVW, though, I'll, I'll jump in because it's... The football. Chuck Jones. Oh. Chuck, no, what's it called? Is it called Chuck Jones? Yeah, is, Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going a bit mad there. Mm. So agreeing with you, but he's my MVW. What about you? <laughs> I can't get through it fast enough, I can he? He's no. <laughs> actually standing up. <laughs> I'm really hot as well, though. <laughs> and I'm out of water. So what's... Uh, What's the next question you're asking me, Victoria? Uh, what's your most valuable whatever, Alex? Oof. And, and take your time. Do you know what? I didn't write anything down, so I'm gonna. I'll just mull for yeah, a bit. Yeah, if that's yeah. All right. Show me your thinking. Yeah. You could have Eugene Levy. No, I like him. No, but he's better in other stuff. Oh, this might take a while. Um, it's the late great John Ritter. I think, as I said earlier, he's got this brilliant energy to him, this incredible likability. So, uh, John Ritter is fantastic in this. Or the dish in the garden, which was <laughs> a big deal to me as a kid. How does a satellite dish have so much menace? And yet, that satellite dish does. So, the dish in the garden. Uh, John Ritter, because of the character change um, from you know where he starts to where he ends up, he does do a very. I mean, he's brilliant, but he does a very good job of convincing you that he is going to step up, man up, become this hero. Uh, yes, very well done. So him, uh, Chris. One change. Um, well, as I said, less puns, more actual jokes. But I feel like the shows that they go into should be used to sort of change the characters. I feel like they should be learning lessons in each of those situation so there's a point to proceedings beyond the, the overarching one mm. or, or play or play with that trope you know a lot of them are American sitcoms and American sitcoms that era always had those awful sentimental life lessons so have some fun with that about what he learns or doesn't learn oh. on those shows rather than just giving us uh, it's 30 something in prison yep you're right you can like um, the start of Natural Born Killers where she's in the family sitcom exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, do yeah, something yeah. clever do something smart with it mm. you uh, my change, uh, fucking the salt and pepper fucking music video. It's just you push it. I just, I mean, it's just it goes on so long. It's so awful. It's so self congratulatory. It's a promotion for the tie-in song. Awful. I also think the line "You're the ugliest bitch in the whole of perdition" is an awful line. Not nice. Yeah, yeah agreed. E- even as a that kid, horrible. It's yeah. just a bit nasty. Um, and I, I, I think someone else was going to mention this, but I really would have liked to have seen the devil at some point. Yes, I did say that. Not, yes. not front on. I just think him, like sitting in an armchair from behind, you see his cloven hoofs around the side of the chair, yeah. watching hell. He should have his hooves up, like yeah. he's watching yeah, telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Don't set the devil up, and then don't not give but us the, the bank devil. of monitors in front of him. Just, to, just so you are sort of like, yeah. it's sort of weird to talk about him watching this and loving all these channels, but never actually have him crushing him. Spike at the end or something. Like, mm. do just do something with the devil. Yeah. yeah. Well, my change is related to that. I thought maybe get God involved. So mm. I thought Pierce, the film school graduate, was a spy for the other side so he's coming oh. to like seed trouble yeah and then maybe in the tv shows there's a bit more of a push and pull between god and the devil for these people's souls which happens in the ice hockey moment because all the blue players are have got like hope and purity yeah. written on their shirts yeah. as though they are heaven's team yeah. for playing uh, hell's team yeah so just augment that a bit mm. that's great that's it that's it from me cool quiz you fancy a quiz yeah of course tv theme tunes 
Okay. Are, you, are you playing them or just singing them? Well, as we're, we're talking TV, I was going to play you some theme mm. tunes to see if you can identify them. But the UK's strict copyright laws mean I can't do that. Uh, so my way around it is to type the lyrics into a robotic voice generator, have them speak the words, and then uh, you've got to figure out what the show is. Wow, okay. So uh, Don't most TV theme tunes not have words? Have not words. I, I, this is like a Steve Martin. Well, joke. what I've done is I've picked shows that did have words. Right. Okay. That's how you've got around. That <laughs> and problem. to narrow it down a bit for you, they are all from around tea time in the nineteen eighties and nineties. They're kids' shows. Okay. So, um, and I've given you a different robotic voice for each one. So this is Google UK English female. Are you ready? Yeah. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. Wherever there is danger, he'll be there. Danger Mouse. Correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Point to Vicky. <laughs> See. <laughs> See. Danger mouse. Little, little danger mouse. Oh, I can't believe you got that. I was obsessed okay. with danger mouse. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this is Google UK English male. Dance your cares away. Worries for another day. Let the music play down in. Fraggle Rock! (laughs) I used to have the uh, seven-inch single of that song, and it was was meant to be played at 45. We used to play it at 33 and smoke pot. (laughs) And it sounds like this really cool old sort of jazz record. Dead cares away. Worries for another day. It's amazing. This is a robotic voice called Alex. Lovely. Up above the streets and houses. Oh, Poddington Peas! Pigeon Street! No. Up above Rainbow! the streets! Yeah. Rainbow! Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Two words to Alex. Um, this is a long one now, so jump in if you get it. This, this robotic voice is called Victoria. Oh, okay. Stand back, Superman, Iceman, Super Spider-Man, Ted? Batman and Robin too. Don't wanna cause a ruckus Mighty Mouse. use. But <laughs> I've got a match for you. She makes them look like a bunch Jet. of fairies. Gem. She's got more bottle than United Dairies. Hang about. Look out. For. Supergirl. <sighs> so close. Supergran. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, lyrics and sung by Billy Connolly. <laughs> Fact fans. Okay. This is Fiona, the robot voice. In the heart of Transylvania. In the vampire hall. Oh, Tales. Count Dracula. not a vampire yes. zinier than. Uh, last one. You, you do have to understand. I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching old theme tunes to cartoons from the eighties. I don't want to hear it. This is Moira. I think she's an Irish robot. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, Chip and Dale. faithful and friendly, the with stories to share. All through the forest, they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears yes. bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Oh, no. They are pay. the gummy bears. Yes. Probably have to play some royalties now. Magic but. and mystery is part of their history, along with the secret of gummy berry juice. <laughs> I think we all win because yeah. of that. That's nice. That was a 5-1 win to Alex. I need to leave the house more. I do. I just, They've got compilations of all of them. The tiebreaker was just going to be me saying two words. Go on. Underground, overground. Wombling free. The wombles are wimbling. You would have got that one as well. Making good use of the things. 
behind. The things that the cats and the dogs leave behind. That was a joke in primary school. Right then. <laughs> Lovely fun. Great quiz this week, Chris. Love that quiz, Chris. Chris, quiz. Chris. Great quiz. Um, right then. Let's look ahead, uh, not to Thursday, uh, where we're going to be talking to Cable Guy, but indeed to next week, which it's fallen to Chris to uh, palate cleanse uh, the show from these movies that he is not a fan of this week. <laughs> not a fan. Nice spot is. Uh, this isn't actually my pick this week. Instead, I've handed over the reins to one of my favourite podcasts, The Best Bits, which is a show where screenwriters Will Collins and Kevin Lehane pick and pitch their favourite film scenes from randomly selected themes like best fight scene, best musical scene, best sex scene. And they get a bit more specific sometimes. I really like the episode where they had best Tom Cruise running scene. Yeah, great. Um, Everybody runs. So they... <laughs> Apart from in this movie. They've picked the films for next week. And the clue is, don't judge a bot by its cover. Don't oh. judge a bot by its cover. Love it. Uh, they also let us pick a theme for one of their shows. So head over to The Best Bits to find out what while Will and Kevin will be popping up at the end of our show on Thursday to reveal the movies and say why they've picked them. That's great. So you should give the best bits a listen as well. It's, Definitely. Uh, so good. It's absolutely brilliant. Really love that show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for that clue. Uh, we'll be hearing from you on Thursday when we'll also be talking about the cable guy. Uh, that's us done for today. Uh, in the meantime, please, if you haven't done already, uh, subscribe to us, rate and indeed review us if you do have the time. It's a great help. And check in us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at ClashPod. The Cable Guy is Thursday. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.